It was awesome. But throughout this semester, we've heard numerous sermons throughout our series on Acts, and even some of our wonderful small group leaders have shared content from Acts with us on social media. Cherokee Ford last week, last week spoke on Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. If you haven't listened to it, go to our Instagram and give it a listen. It was, it was really good. But tonight, we're continuing our sermon series on Acts, and I want to bring into our focus tonight, not Matt Martinez like he wants me to. He really wanted me to talk about how humble he is, but I won't do it. He is exceptionally humble, as he tells me. But tonight, I want to bring into our focus someone named Stephen. Now, Stephen is someone whose character I think will appeal to many of us here. He seemed to leave a powerful impression on the people around him. And almost as quickly as he comes into the picture, he's gone. But the two chapters that mention him show that he was a man of God. A man who knew his Lord well. It's striking the response that he had from his ministry. The enemies of the church could seemingly find no flaw or fault with him. And they hated him for it. He was chosen as one of the seven deacons of the early church, which is what Cherokee went over. The author of Acts, Luke, writes that Stephen was a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to see tonight is that he was a man who was in a deep, intimate fellowship with his God, with Jesus. He knew him intimately. Now when I picture in Stephen, I can't help but think of my, my hero, Captain America. I mean... They're both named Steve. Can't. It's good. No, no, no. I'm preaching. It's Team Captain America. Just kidding. But we can all be Team Jesus. Amen. But when I'm thinking about Stephen from the Bible, I can also think of my friend Jacob Hart Siddiqui. Tender-hearted and a lover of Jesus. But he's also always willing to help and serve the people around him. If you need a friend in your life, be friends with Jacob. He's a good man. But you see, Stephen, he was the first martyr of the Christian church. But many of the Bible commentators agree that his death wasn't what made him a martyr. It simply revealed what was there all along. You see, Stephen was a martyr long before the haters of the church stoned him to death. He was the first martyr to seal his testimony with his blood. If you want, you don't have to keep the Captain America slide up. You can, but. Um, but before I go any further tonight, let me pray that we would hear from God. Sound good? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you're using us as a ministry here at Sam Houston. God, I ask that you would continue doing everything that you're doing in my heart, in the lives of the men and the women in this room. And God, I ask that this spring break, Lord, would count for eternity, Lord Jesus. That God, we, wherever, whether we go on mission trips to Lubbock or Orange, Texas, or serve churches, whatever we do, whether we're at home, Lord, that we would make this time count. And God, I ask that tonight we would have a picture in our mind of what it means to be a, a follower after you. Someone who knows you intimately. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Speak through me tonight. Acts chapter 6, verse 8. Let me read for us. It says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand 
spirit of which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. See, Stephen here described as full of grace and power, doing great works and signs. If you know anything, it sounds incredibly similar to the way the gospel writers wrote of Jesus. Whenever Luke, the gospel writer, described Jesus, he often used the equivalent words for grace and for power. Grace is used to signify all that is beautiful, tender, and compassionate in Stephen. Whereas power suggests dignity and determination and authority. We see that Stephen is a man of tremendous character. And he was chosen as one of the church deacons and he served his fellow believers faithfully. It was difficult for his critics to get to Stephen in trouble. Because in order for them to get him arrested, it took men who were willing to manipulate the crowd and lie to the masses. They couldn't argue against his character and his heart. They had to lie to get him in trouble. And yet, the Bible says that through the counsel of the men present, Stephen's face shined like that of an angel. Imagine with me, you were arrested for something you didn't do, something you were innocent of. Now, I'm sure you're going to be looking down at the ground. You're probably a little bit of frustration, maybe anger, confusion, unless maybe you're Jamie Jackson, who seems to smile no matter the circumstances. If you know her, it's clear that the joy of the Lord is in her heart. I feel like she smiles no matter what trouble she's in. And Stephen, his face shined like that of an angel's. And what I think that shows is that he wasn't downcast, he wasn't sad, he wasn't depressed. He knew who he represented. He had confidence in who God was. He was a part of the kingdom of heaven. And he knew no matter the consequences, God was with him. And while there on trial, he preached a powerful sermon. And honestly, it's packed. And if you're looking for a summary of the whole Old Testament, then go and read for yourselves Acts 7, 1 through 50. I won't go into it too much tonight, but Stephen had a purpose in saying everything that he said. You see, it was a, a testimony of Scripture that backed up the ministry of Jesus and revealed God's heart all the way back from Abraham to Jacob and Joseph to Moses and even to David and the building of the temple they accused him of blaspheming. This sermon showed that he knew the Scriptures as well as any of them. He wasn't ignorant of what was written there. It was awesome. You should read it. Sound good? But if you do read it, when you get to verse 51, there's a slight shift in his tone. Y'all ready? Acts 7, 51 through 60 says, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and rushed together at him. 
They cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Lord, do not hold this sin against him. Stephen's punishment was to be stoned by this crowd. A crowd of people who were enraged by his preaching of the Old Testament history and in the declaration of their betrayal and killing of Jesus, the righteous one. And that Jesus, the Son of Man, stood next to God in heaven. They hated him for it, and they didn't want him to call them out on their sin and their treachery. But is this not what exactly what Jesus told his disciples would happen? He told them that the world hated him and therefore would hate them as well. John 15, verse 18 through 21 says this. This is Jesus talking to his 12 disciples. I think he means it for all of us. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they also will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. We're seeing that now in scripture. The world had hated Jesus. They hated him. And they hated anyone who looked like him. Stephen died for his preaching of the gospel of Jesus and his obedience to God, and people did not like what he had to say. It didn't matter how much he served, how kind he was to others, they wanted him gone and were willing to instigate his trial through liars and manipulators. They wanted him dead, just like they wanted Jesus to die. They saw someone who resembled Christ, and they hated him for it. Heavy stuff. But up to this point, the disciples, remember a couple weeks ago we heard from Sam Pitt, and talked about how the disciples had been beaten and jailed. But up to this point, it seems like no one besides Christ had been killed yet. And if you go back into the Gospels, you'll find that when the high priest Caiaphas, he said this, that it would be expedient that one man should die for the sake of Israel. Well, now they've even gone beyond that. Someone else has died. And it doesn't stop there. This man, Stephen, was stoned to death for what he believed. He was going against the way the Jewish leaders wanted at the time. They wanted this business about Jesus, his Christian faith. They wanted it to go away and to fade into obscurity. But it didn't. And something's of God, it continues. And thank you, Jesus. First, Jesus was crucified. Now Stephen has been stoned. Both wrongfully killed because of the words they preached. And the character of their lives went in line with the status quo of the day. First, Jesus. Now, Stephen. Both killed because they valued the kingdom of God over the kingdom of man. Let me tell you, they share a number of other qualities and similarities between the two of them. If you know, one of my favorite authors is a man named G. Campbell Morgan. He's wonderful. And his chapter, going over this, I wish I probably could have just read it from beginning to end. It was, it's, it's awesome. But he says this, and it's so good, better than anything I could ever write. And he says this about Stephen. Here was a man walking along the very pathway of the Gospels with Christ. The attitude manifested toward him in Jerusalem and by the council is almost identical with the attitude of the rulers towards Jesus. And when we come to the dying of Stephen, 
the last thing that passed his lips was almost a quotation of some of the last things that Jesus had said. Jesus in his dying said, Father, into thy hand I commend my spirit. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Stephen in his dying said this, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. There is a perfect harmony between this story of how a man preached and wrought wonders and uttered his great address and went to death. And the story how, of how the man of Nazareth preached and wrought wonders and uttered his great discourses and took his way to death. The parallels between Jesus and Stephen are powerful and show who Stephen was submitted to. Show that who his Lord was, who he was like, who he was intimate and close with. Let me tell you, you become like the people you're close to. Kind of goes along with everybody wearing flannels. And did you catch the title that Stephen used of Jesus? The Son of Man. Did you know that that's Jesus' favorite nickname for himself? All throughout Scripture, that's, that's what he referred to himself as. And that's the one that Stephen uses. There seems to be a sense of familiarity there. An intimacy in using that name. A sort of love. This man Stephen was living a life of love and service for his neighbors. He was wrongfully arrested and killed due to the people's hatred. Now real quick, have any of you ever been hit by a rock? It hurts, doesn't it? It does not feel good. I, uh, I can remember, I'm going to tell this story, but my family, we lived down a pretty long dirt road. And I remember we had to walk half a mile to the bus stop one morning. And I don't remember why my older brother Jesse and I were mad at each other. We just were. And I know I started throwing rocks at him. And then he picked one up and he threw it and hit me. <laughs> and thankfully the bus had come around the corner. The bus driver saw all of it, all of what he did. And I'm crying and acting like I, you know, it just came out of nowhere. Jesse just decided to throw one at me. It was awesome. He got in trouble. But of course at my wedding, my groomsman roasted me and he told that story in front of everybody. So, Jason, I think you were there. But, um... But rocks hurt. And I don't know if you about you, but if somebody threw a rock at me, I don't know how I would respond. But this man, this Stephen, rather than revile in return, rather than curse back the people who threw rocks at him, he prayed for them and for God to forgive them. That's an example of love and compassion. Stephen took serious the teaching of Jesus that when someone slaps you on the cheek, you turn the other one also. When someone hates you or persecutes you, you pray for them. The reason he was able to love these people so well and to speak like this was due to his close friendship with Jesus. Stephen was similar to Jesus because he had spent time living life with him. He had abided with Jesus. Some more from G. Cameron Morgan. Again, better than I could ever say it. He said, here then was a man who shared the very nature of Jesus a deacon of the early church, a man serving tables, but so in fellowship with the nature of Christ that the impression he made upon the men and women who were around about him was that of great grace and beauty of character combined with great strength of purpose. And these two things persisted to the end. Grace was manifested in his cries, lay not the sin to their charge. And it was power in the words, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. The secret of Stephen's character was that he was in fellowship with Christ and in nature, a partner of the very life of Christ. 
Jesus, you see, we had a deep, intimate fellowship with Jesus. And people felt it. And they knew who he was close to. Is that true of you? Are you in fellowship with Jesus like this? Or would the people around you be surprised to find out you're a Christian? Would your coworkers, your classmates, your roommates, when they found out you're a Christian, be like, are you serious? I'm sure many of us in this room would say, I'd die for Jesus. I'd do the same thing as Stephen did when confronted by the world. Don't we often want to do the big things for God? But what about the daily things? The seemingly mundane? Are you going to spend time with Jesus in a way that might cost you? Maybe your time, your sleep, your, maybe your money? Are you willing to live for Jesus day to day and serve him faithfully in everything you put your hands to? What if you don't get the recognition you feel you deserve? Or get the platform that you want? Are you going to continue being faithful to God, regardless of how it benefits you? We may say here and now, yeah, I'll die for Jesus. I'll be brave like Stephen. But yeah, are you going to be faithful through all the days and weeks and months and years before then? So many seem to get caught up in civilian affairs and turn away from God. Now, are you living for God now, like Stephen did, before he was taken by the mob? Now, remember what I said, the stoning didn't make Stephen a martyr. It simply revealed what was already there. Stephen had loved Jesus, and he lived for him. He had spent time learning scripture, which is why he was able to preach the way he did. It's clear that he knew his Bible. He had spent time praying and hearing from God, which is how he performed signs and wonders. It's why his character was so refined to look like Jesus. He had spent time in the presence of God. He was humble and submitted to Jesus, which is why he had the right to call the Jewish court out. The Holy Spirit had filled him and used him greatly. Stephen left an impression in history, and I'm sure some of the people in that crowd walked away different after seeing him. We already know someone of that, from that crowd, Saul of Tarsus, one day be Paul the Apostle. He was there holding people's jackets and would later go on to lead the charge to persecute and arrest Christians in Jerusalem and even in Damascus later on. You see, Stephen had proven to be a man of conviction, someone who stood up for God and for Jesus and was killed for it, even praying, even praying a blessing over those who were killing him. I can't help but believe that that marks Saul and lit a fire in him. Now, maybe in the opposite direction. See, Stephen had been standing up for Jesus, and he died for it. And part of me just wonders if Saul felt a desire to stop Christians from this kind of thing, that he wanted to match Stephen's conviction, and so went the opposite way in promoting the Jewish customs, and went above and beyond to stamp out the Christian faith. This must have been something that marked him in a deep way. But thankfully, Jesus deals with Saul later on, and we have someone who would be used by God in a mighty way another hero that we get to look up to and be grateful for. I look at Stephen, and I see someone I want to shape my life after. I mean, imagine to be known for having a close fellowship with Jesus, that that's the reputation you leave people. To be identified with Christ would be amazing, and that's what we see in Stephen. That's what I want. But you know what's even more incredible than the reputation he had with people? Was the relationship he had with Jesus the reputation he had with God. 
Stephen was a lover of Jesus. And I think that's evident. Have any of you guys ever thought of how amazing it will be to hear in eternity when God says, well done, my good and faithful servant? It's going to be pretty good. It's going to be like a huge bet. It's going to be awesome. And there's something sort of like that here. Unsaid thing. Acts 7, 55 and 56. Let me read it again for us. But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he says, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Do you all realize that in almost every description of Jesus in heaven is of him seated at the right hand of God? But here Stephen sees Jesus isn't sitting. He's standing. What a powerful picture that is, what it communicates. It's almost as if Jesus was sitting over here and then he stands up and he comes and he's leaning over, looking down at Stephen. And I believe a thousand different things could be said about that. Do you realize Jesus stood to look at him? There's a sort of action about that. There's something deep about it. As if, Stephen, I'm here with you. I'm here to help you. You're not alone, and I'm with you. Now, also, to welcome into eternity. He was looking at Stephen. And I don't think there was a need for him to say with words, well done, good and faithful servant. I think it was implied. Stephen, I see you. I'm with you. Jesus promised in his great commission that he would be with us even to the end of the age. And here we see that he was with Stephen the entire time. Let me read that for us just so we can see it again. Josh said it last week. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, it says, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Stephen was doing God's work. He was trying to fulfill this great commission. And Jesus never left him. He's faithful to be with him. I have one more quote by Mr. G. Chandler Morgan. I told you it moved me. He says this, Dying Stephen saw the heavens open and saw the glory of God. No one else saw that glory. What was it that Stephen's eye looked upon? The Son of Man. That is a description which no one had used of Jesus in the day of his flesh except himself, save on one occasion in criticism. Stephen uses up his Lord the tender title that he had so loved. The dying Stephen saw the standing Christ. Wherever a saint of God, in fellowship with the nature, the testimony, and suffering of Christ is in pain, he stands. The great high priest in sympathy and in ministry until he welcomes that suffering one over the line and into the eternal fellowship. Let me read that again. It says, Dying Stephen saw the heavens opened and saw the glory of God. No one else saw that glory. And just a little further, Dying Stephen, he saw the standing Christ. And wherever a saint of God, in fellowship with the nature, testimony, and suffering of Christ is in pain, Jesus stands, the great high priest in sympathy and in ministry, until he welcomes that suffering one over the line 
and into the eternal fellowship. Worship, y'all can come back up. Now remember that Jesus didn't view death with a sense of loss. He said he was the ultimate victor over death. He welcomed Stephen into the kingdom then. Jesus has been faithful to Stephen and continues to be with each and every single one of us. Now let me ask, are we faithful to him? Are we close to him like Stephen was? Do you know God like that? Are we going to be faithful to Jesus? If the world hates you and treats you as lesser than, even if the world hates you and treats you as lesser than, are you going to be faithful to God? Do you think, like Jesus did for Stephen, that he would stand up for you? And let me tell you, Jesus loves you. And he values you, values you more than you know. But you have to allow him to be Lord of your life. But let me tell you, if you will, he will be faithful to you to the very end of the line. Now tonight, while the worship team's playing, you are invited to come and meet with God. You can come down here to the altars. You can go to the side of the room. You can go to the top. But you have a moment to meet with God tonight here and invite him to be Lord of your life and learn to walk with him in fellowship like Stephen did. Now, I remember when I had my freshman year, I had gone to Salt, and I had submitted my heart to God and told him that I would go wherever he wanted me to go and serve wherever he asked me to serve. Those next few weeks, I lived in a dorm called King Hall, which is no longer there. It's gone. But I would get up and go spend time with Jesus before class at the old main pit. I had class at 8 a.m., so I would get up at 6.30 and go and spend time with Jesus. Now, it was easy a little bit because Live Dead had just started coming out. They had just been marketing their journal, and I was able to read that and take it with me, and that kind of helped. But I knew, like, I knew I needed to be alone with God. I knew I needed to start something and spend time with Him. And that time, still to this day, some of my most precious memories are my beginning, the beginnings of my walk with Jesus. And we need to be familiar with Jesus and spend time abiding with Him, reading the Word of God praying with him. Thank you, Jesus. So come during worship, find a place to meet with God, go to your small group leader, your company leader, and pray with them. When Stephen was about to die, Jesus looked at him and said, without saying it, really, I'm with you. I'm with you, Stephen. So let me tell you, when you're going through all the hardships of walking with Jesus, here at Think Houston, or when you graduate, wherever you go, whether it's in the missions overseas or campus ministry somewhere, maybe doing the CMIT or Chi Alpha here, or maybe going into the marketplace and going and serving wherever you go, he is faithful and he will be with you. And I don't know if we're going to see the heavens open up and see Jesus standing there next to the, the Father. I don't know, but he loves you, and he cares for you, and he wants fellowship with you. He wants to be close to you like he was with Stephen. Cool? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my friends in this room, for my brothers and my sisters here, Lord Jesus. God, I ask that we would become faithful to you in everything we put our hands to, in our heart attitude, in our, the posture in our hearts, Lord Jesus. God, would we be submitted to you like Stephen was? You used Stephen in that led to Paul. God, you changed the world through him. 
Holy Spirit, right now we invite you into this place, into my heart and in the hearts of these men and women here. God, would you speak to us? We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord.